Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another episode of Leadership Moments with author, professor, and John Maxwell Certified Business and Executive Coach, David McNamee, President of Foundations for Leaders. This show is for anyone who wants to learn, grow, and do the hard work of becoming a better servant leader. Whether you're a veteran leader of people or you're just getting started with your career, we can all improve our leadership at work, at home, and in our communities. This week's show gives you access to the best thinkers, resources, and actions to help you develop your servant leadership skills. And now, here's your host. Hello and welcome to Leadership Moments. This is David McNamee, your host. And my guest today in the studio is Dr. Kenton Hill. Ken is a certified management consultant. He brings over 40 years of public and private sector experience to his work as a principal consultant at KRH Consulting in Portland, Oregon. Ken specializes in assisting executives, managers, and professionals in strengthening their skills in the increasingly important people side of the enterprise. Uh, Ken provides team building, selection consultation, 360-degree performance feedback, career transition consultation, and conflict resolution services. Ken, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. How about your history? I, I know you uh, go back quite a ways, and I, did, I wasn't sure how far to take it back, so I'll, I'll let you pick up <laughs> Okay, there. well, I've been doing this executive coaching work for a little over 25 years, but uh, prior to that, my early experience was uh, as a school teacher and counselor, um, and in between doing that work, I uh, uh, worked for Selection Research, which is now the Gallup organization, SRI, bought Gallup, and I worked for them for five years in there, and that was a real important part of my understanding about leadership and its development. Um, and then I went back into education. I was a school principal, and um, then um, worked in, in the Westland School Districts for 10 years, and following that, I went to work at Lehigh Terrison as an executive coach and uh, outplacement consultant. And then uh, shortly thereafter, I set up my own practice and have been doing this work now, as I say, about 25 years. Oh, that's great. And uh, you've got a book that we're going to talk about later mm -hmm. in the show. It's uh, Ken is the author of Smart Isn't Enough, How Developing Your Emotional Intelligence Can Transform Your Life and Career. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But but to kind of set the background uh, for our listeners, just in, in let me start with a, a wide open question. What is coaching and why do people need one? All right. Well, um the definition that I use when I write the book, I have to come up with, well, how do I define it? So my definition in the book was I define coaching as a one-to-one -one relationship in which a professional coach helps an individual gain increased self-awareness and develop significant insights and abilities to enhance work performance and personal satisfaction. So that's my official definition. Okay. What's that mean, um, But it's very much yeah. like, uh, you know, a, a coach in sports uh, or any other activity. The... Uh, uh, the coach is there to help a person develop an awareness of you know what their current abilities are, 
uh, watch them closely, make some suggestions for ways to operate differently, provide feedback, uh, and help them get better. So it's a person that's kind of on the sidelines and uh, watches, listens, makes suggestions, provides feedback, and uh, helps them get better. Does a coach have to have uh, the background of the person that they're coaching? Do you have, you know what I'm talking about? Do you, if, if I were a sports coach, mm-hmm. for example, and I'm teaching yeah, yeah. how to pass, do I need to be a, a star passer to teach it? Well, you know, I wondered about that when I went from education into uh, to business. And uh, uh, what I discovered is that um, my coaching is on the people side of the enterprise. So uh, I've worked with people all across the different industries, as well as uh, service professionals, doctors, lawyers. And uh, the coaching that I do isn't so much in terms of their business or the technical aspects of it, uh, because, in fact, uh, most of the people I work with really are very smart in their technical aspect, uh, but not particularly emotionally intelligent. That's where they need the help. So uh, my coaching is on the people side. It's to help them be more emotionally aware, to use their emotions in a way that's helpful to them and, uh, and also to the people that they're working with. So. Uh, I've worked across the board pretty much. Okay. Um, also, to to make sure that we're uh, clear on our definitions of things, what's the difference between a coach and a consultant? Well, I think a major difference there is that uh, um, a consultant is a, is a person who tends to be uh, a little more uh, in tune to the technical aspects, probably is consulting in an industry that they're familiar with. And uh, is more likely to do an analysis of the problem, uh, make recommendations for what the solution should be, follow through and manage the, the uh, implementation of the solution. Um, the a coach is a little bit more of uh, someone who uh, is, I wouldn't say more passive, but certainly not so much an advice giver. Uh, really looking to see what's the talent and draw that talent out, look to see where they can modify it, make some adjustments. Um, and often it's just a matter of some pretty minor adjustments that have a pretty significant impact on their performance. But uh, it gets a little messy. You know, there, there are times when, as a coach, uh, I will offer some advice. But what I try to do is I try to be aware of my change in the role. And I might even ask my client, would you like some advice here? <laughs> would you like to hear what somebody else has done in this position? Or, w- or would it be most helpful for me just to keep asking you questions and listening and reflecting back? So I, uh, uh, for me, it's kind of blurred because I come at this as a teacher. Uh, I was trained as a school counselor, though, uh, and I've been a school principal and leader. And so uh, I pretty much bounce around between consulting, coaching. Some coaches are very uh, uh, pure in that they only ask questions, never offer advice, just are more Rogerian in their listening and nodding and encouraging. But, you know, I, I pretty much blur the uh, lines there. You kind of make it a more interactive yeah, experience. Yeah, I'm, sure. I, I'm a teacher and I'm a counselor mm-hmm. and I'm mm-hmm. an advice giver. And uh, But I try to, to be clear what my role is and I mm-hmm. try not to offer a role that's not appropriate to the person or what they don't want at the time. It, uh, I wonder, is there a specific set of characteristics that make for a good coach? Well, um, I think that um, probably the first thing I would look for would be somebody who's a good listener. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It's one of the things I like about the servant leadership uh, notion, the St. Francis notion that seek first to understand before being understood. Uh, that, I think, plays really well in, in the coaching practice. I, I seek first to listen, to really understand, and to, uh, to, to get to know the person and what is the current situation and uh, you know, where the gaps are. So uh, uh, I think that's the major one. I think you know, if there's empathy there, I think that's also important as well. If you can really put yourself into their place without being overly sympathetic, but you know, to listen, to hear, to understand. Uh, and then you know, I think the desire to really be helpful and to draw that person out is important. So um, you know, listening, empathy, putting yourself in their place, um, not trying to take over. Uh, you know, you're not the star here. You, you are the coach, and they're the star. And so I think those are the things that are really important. Um, one of the insights that I had in my coaching over a period of time, one of the things I do is I interview their coworkers to get an idea. And uh, one of the one time I went back and did some research on that, and I thought, what's the consistent piece that employees are saying that they want from their from their boss. And it's something that I think matches up with your question about uh, the appropriate characteristic of a coach. And there were three things that were very consistent in the feedback. First of all, I want my leader to be a listener. I want them to listen to me uh, personally. And the second thing is I want them to trust me, trust that I'm trying to do a good job and that I want to do well. And then third, help me. So uh, I, I learned that as I was paying attention to what employees are saying about their boss, the people that I'm coaching. I try to keep that in mind as a coach. Listen, trust, and help. It's interesting you say that. That, that was, uh, uh, when I was looking at your book, uh, uh, that's where you started out chapter seven in your book, actually. Mm -hmm. the, uh, you say, uh, you started out by saying, if you could look him in the eye and give him one piece of advice, just one suggestion for how he could be a more effective leader, what would you say? And you responded by saying, and I'm quoting, the most frequent response I get is, Listen to me, trust me, mm -hmm. help me. Yeah. Yep. Why is that? Why, why, do, why is that the response you get all the time? Well, I'm not sure why, but it certainly was consistent. And, uh, and that's an, a part of the coaching that I do. I, uh, I always interview them and you know, have an in-depth interview that I've done uh, back that kind of comes from my work at Selection Research. Uh, I do some testing, uh, you know, some objective testing as well, and then I do colleague feedback. I have an online survey that I do now, but early on I did a lot of direct interviews. And, you know, that's just, that's what I'm hearing. And I think it makes sense. And so it's something I adopted in terms of my own coaching was mm -hmm. if I can remember that, if I can remember to listen to them before I move forward and listen in all those three ways that I mentioned and that I trust that they really want to get better, they want to do a good job. Um, and then I'm, I help them. I assist them in getting better. And so uh, it's just, it's been a, a truism that, uh, uh, that I've, I've tried to live by. Mm -hmm. um, I know that you coach coaches. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you've also mentioned in your book that uh, coaches today, there are a dime a dozen. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of coaches out there. And I honestly, I have to count, count myself as one. Um, <laughs> But uh, tell me about maybe the, some of the coaching certification organizations mm -hmm. and, and some of the coaching of coaches that you do. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I kind of came at this you know, through the back door, I guess I would say, because I have the teaching certificate and the certificate mm -hmm. as a school counselor. 
uh, and then a doctorate in education. So I had the academic background and uh, got into the business before, you know, uh, I even knew there was such a thing as executive coaching. And uh, uh, so uh, at that time, I looked at what kind of certification was out there. The Institute for Management Consultants was one that I came across, but uh, you needed to be in the business for five years before you could apply for certification. And uh, 10 years later, <laughs> uh, when I was putting the book together, actually, I thought, you know, this would be a good time to, to go back and do that. So uh, I, I received certification from the Institute for Management Consultants, and that's an international organization. Uh, it's more focused on consultants as opposed to coaches, um, but there are a lot of coaches going through that certification now. Um, the International Coach Federation is another one that I think probably certifies more, more coaches than any. Uh, and I know some people have gone through that. Uh, the Hudson Institute is another one that I know a number of people have gone through personally, and I have great respect for them. Uh, and I think that, that training program is really quite good. Um, I haven't gone back through any of those because I'm into it and uh, busy delivering. Yeah, and yeah, you know, grandfather. Yeah, at yeah. This point. But I, uh, I try to continue my education through, uh, uh, particularly reading and studying around leadership and uh, uh, particularly the emotional intelligence aspects of leadership as well. I, I, that's a, I think that's a great point. Um, very often we sort of stop learning and mm -hmm. and keeping that learning curve steep it yeah, is yeah. is real critical. Well, and as you mentioned. The, mm -hmm. Teaching other coaches, having yeah. other coaches come through my training has, has been a really important way for me to keep uh, up with it as well. To have to, again, explain yourself. Like when you write a book or you teach, you've got to, mm. you know, what do you really know? What do you really I, understand? I think it's, what, uh, yeah, I, I've, been, yeah. I've been an educator been for years as well. Yeah, and and, and I, I have to tell people that that's probably one of the best unpaid benefits of teaching Absolutely. Is, is you learn as much as you teach. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I have had the opportunity. I have uh, 15 other uh, consultants and coaches in town here who have gone through a uh, licensing that that are uh, available to use my uh, intellectual property. I have a copyrighted interview and the 360 survey and, and the tools that go along with that. So, well, go ahead and mention the website and where they might find more information. Yeah, yeah. the website is uh, www.kenhillkrh.com. And, uh, yeah, there's information there about uh, my practice as well as the other consultants who are licensed to use my uh, intellectual property. Uh, and the book's available on Amazon. You can just click in. There's another book called Smart Is Not Enough. That's not my book. My book is Smart Isn't Enough. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's available. Okay. We're going to take a break now. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Kenton Hill, a certified management consultant and author of Smart Isn't Enough. <laughs> we'll be right back. Want to grow your company? Listen to this. John C. Maxwell, New York Times bestselling author and leadership guru, says, The only way to improve an organization is to grow and improve its leaders. If you want to make an impact, start with yourself. On Friday, October 7th, at the Camp Withcomb Armory, you can do just that. Portland will be one of a few hundred cities around the world to broadcast a new type of leadership experience. Live to Lead is a half-day leadership experience packed with a lifetime of valuable content from the greatest leaders in the world. John Maxwell, Chick-fil-A CEO Dan Cathy, leadership expert Liz Wiseman, and the eternal optimist Simon Sinek. Join an exclusive audience of over 200 leaders from the Portland metro area for this transformational experience. Learn how to lead internationally. Dream more. Think more. 
Do more and become more. The only limit to your success is your willingness to invest in yourself and your organization. Tickets available at the North Clackamas Chamber of Commerce, the Christian Chamber of Commerce, and at Live to Lead Portland on evenbright.com. This event is hosted by Foundations for Leaders, sponsored by the North Clackamas Chamber of Commerce, Chick-fil-A, the Christian Chamber Northwest, and by KKPZ 1330, The Truth. We're back, and if you've just joined us, this is David McNamee with Leadership Moments, and we're talking with Dr. Ken Hill author of Smart Isn't Enough. Ken, um, you told us a little bit about this, but talk to me about why you got into this business in the first mm-hmm, place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... And, um, and then I want to go, go into your methodology mm-hmm, a little mm-hmm. bit. Well, I've, uh, I've always been interested in leadership. And you know, if you go way back, you know, when I was a kid in high school, uh, I somehow ended up being on student council and president of the different organizations that I was a member of. And so, you know, it just sort of fell into it. And so I, you know, I've been curious about that. Uh, the uh, the work that I did at Selection Research gave me the opportunity also to, to research and study the characteristics of leadership. Um, and it was interesting to me that as uh, we identified themes, as we called them there, uh, they were very consistent with what, as I you know, continued my uh, study through Howard Gardner, for example, Daniel Goleman, the, the elements of emotional intelligence that they found to be significant in determining successful leadership were also some of the same things we heard in the interviews as we talked to successful leaders. Uh, so it was very validating that it was like, you know, things are coming together here. We've looked at it from different points of view, but there are some some themes, if you will, or competencies that uh, are pretty consistent between uh, the people who are very successful in leadership and those who aren't quite as successful in leadership. So uh, I think, you know, life's experience, and I had the opportunity to be a school principal and exercise some of that leadership. Uh, and uh, uh, I've often said what I know about coaching, I learned on the playground. You know, mm-hmm. the middle school playground, you have an awful lot of opportunity to work with emotional intelligence, anger management, conflict resolution. Uh, so anyway, those are some, I think, uh, events in my life that led to the, to the work that I'm doing now. In the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. uh, why is emotional intelligence, or as, as you ha- first wrote about it in the first mm-hmm. edition of your book, personal intelligence, why is that important? I mean, some leaders would tell you, I don't care about emotions. I just want results. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so why is this important? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think what um, one of the one of the real advantages in the use of the term emotional intelligence. And I, I'll give Daniel Goleman uh, credit for popularizing it, though he didn't invent the terminology. But um, I think that it, it's easy for people to dismiss you know, dismiss people skills, soft skills. Uh, but when you think of it as an intelligence. Uh, as a, a recognized uh, ability that people have, uh, that made it certainly more acceptable, particularly to men who, you know, don't want to talk about soft, you know, touchy feely mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, the evidence has just been, you know, building over the years to suggest that it really is the it's the people side, it's the intrapersonal, interpersonal uh, competencies that people develop that make the difference between whether a person's successful or exceptionally successful and it's it's that difference it's kind of makes that significant shift 
can I push back a little bit and sure. just say and suggest uh, we we are who we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm either emotionally mm-hmm. intelligent or I'm not. Oh, but you can okay. you can become more emotionally All intelligent. Right. Yes. Uh, this would certainly be uh, uh, my experience in in the work. So this I've is done. a teachable skill. It's a teachable skill, and in fact, I think it may in some ways be easier to learn as we get older. Um, empathy, for example, I, I think that. Um, it's easier to develop empathy when you've had some life experiences. You know, when you're young and you think you're invincible and, you know, uh, you can do anything. Um, it's a little harder to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. But when life happens to you and you have some tragedies and some, you know, bumps along the way, it makes you a little bit more inclined to say, oh, wait a minute, you know, I'm, I'm not as perfect and as excellent as I think I am. And so uh, it, it is. And I, as I... Uh, mentioned in the book, you gotta wanna. Uh, that that's one of the really important pieces. But but uh, evidence is that even at advanced ages, we we can become more emotionally intelligent. We can, you know, our capacity to recognize, understand, value, and apply emotions, uh, we can get better at it. It it does require that we need to become aware of that. So you know, we have to be aware of it. And I think we have to accept where we are and, and to develop a plan and be willing to study and practice and get feedback and practice some more and get feedback and practice some more. It isn't easy, uh, but uh, I've had opportunity to work with a lot of people, and, and I uh, tell you, I've seen them. I've, I've watched them get better. I th- you know, I think we need to reemphasize this just a bit because uh, because you, you slid right through a whole bunch of really important <laughs> points there. Okay. But... I, but uh, because Marshall Goldsmith, who's who's a notable mm-hmm. uh, executive coach as well, also says uh, what you say, starting right up front, there has to be a willingness yeah. to accept the coaching, to learn from the coach, to, to be willing mm-hmm. to do the hard work of whatever it takes mm-hmm. to make that change that's right. needed. Yeah, it, it, that's really true because it, it does take... Uh, effort. You can, it's not something you can just will <laughs> or mm. read a book and say, even if you read my book. It's, it's not yeah. a one and done kind <laughs> that's of thing. right. No, yeah. it, it really requires practice. And I think that's where a coach can be helpful. Uh, I, I think that we can develop it by, by study and practice and all. But a coach can be helpful because that's where a coach can watch and provide feedback and say, why don't you try it this way? How about that? Why did you do that? Uh, and can kind of keep people moving on. And, and that's I think that's the advantage of a coach. But um, really, yeah, you do need to want to do this. And you need to, and sometimes um, a lot of the clients I work with are people who have this brought to their attention by their boss. Uh, they, they may be technically competent. They may be smart in their technical expertise, but they're, they're not emotionally intelligent enough. And, and sometimes their job's in, in, in jeopardy. And that can cause somebody to say, okay, you know, I get it. I'm going to lose this job if I don't pay closer attention to my emotions, manage them in a way that, you know, is successful, pay attention to other people's emotions, support that. Um, you know, sometimes it's, it's the, thre- the threat of that. I've coached people who are on last chance agreements, for example, mm-hmm. and, uh, and some have been successful. I, I, using fictional names, what would be a great story that of, of a coaching uh, that worked well for you or for your client? Well, that last chance agreement, that pick up on that one, I had the opportunity to work with a physician who was internationally known for his abilities as a, as a, a physician. And uh, 
but he was uh, he was inappropriate in his dealings with the nurses and staff, and uh, um, he was uh, required to go through coaching, and um, so and his was a, a year long coaching practice, and uh, uh, I had a little trouble getting him to be serious because when when I do the assessment, I usually do a triangulation of it. I interview the person, I do some testing, and then I get some feedback from the coworkers. In this case, I did an interview, did the testing, but they didn't want me to do any more interviews of the colleagues because the lawyers had been in and out, and so I was on this two-legged stool. So I had a little trouble getting through to him. Uh, I asked my assistant to announce when he came, you know, Dr. So-and-so is here, Dr. Hill, Dr. So-and-so is here. I said, use, the, use Dr. Hill, see if we can get on. That didn't help. You know, he continued to kind of stall the uh, the other thing was that he wanted to pay over time, and I said, no, you need to pay this up front. I want a commitment from you that this you're really serious. And that didn't quite do it either. He just wanted to intellectualize. He wanted to talk about the tests and how they're validated and you know his interview. And so at the end of one session, uh, I just uh, I said, you know, you keep saying this is no big deal how you've treated people, and that if I had been in Vietnam with you, you'd see this is just you know baby talk, baby stuff. But I wonder, you know, what if your daughter had seen you do this and heard you say these things? Or the other thing I wonder about, how would it be if somebody treated her that way, said these things to her? And you're asking that? I asked mm-hmm. him that at the end of a session, and I looked at my watch because it was toward the end. I calculated this. I said, we don't have time to talk about this today, but just something to think about. Well, the next time we met, he came back, and he stopped talking about the tests and started talking about what, what he could do. And, uh, and we moved into some empathy development, and I had him write an empathy story about how it would have been felt to this nurse that he was being accused of being inappropriate with. And, and uh, so focused on empathy development. And by the end of the year, um, I was able to go back and interview people at that point and uh, got lots and lots of validation of his changed behavior and that he was more appropriate. And, and he got to keep his job. And he was on for another five years and then retired uh, at 62 on schedule instead of, you know, five years earlier being bumped out. So it took a little bit to get him there, to want Mm -hmm. that. It had to be a personal thing. Until he put himself in his daughter's shoes, uh, he couldn't put himself in anybody else's. And uh, that was a kind of a breakthrough for him. That'd be be one example of kind of a reluctant person who eventually wanted to. Yeah. Is coaching just for executives? No, no, it's, you know, it's for all of us. I, uh, um, many of my clients are what you would call individual contributors, managers, uh, lower level leaders, uh, people in the service professions, dentists, doctors. Um, no, coaching can be real. And, and emotional intelligence is important for all of us. You know, I think it's particularly important with leaders because they have such great impact uh, and the more emotionally intelligent they are, the better the impact's going to be. But, uh, no, this is something that's, uh, you know, coaching and particularly coaching around emotional intelligence is something that can be helpful to all of us at, at any point in our life. If you had one uh, short piece of advice to offer on in- emotional intelligence, what would you suggest to somebody? I would say start with self-awareness. I think self-awareness, self-awareness mm-hmm. is to just begin to, to tune in to... Uh, at any given moment, you know, how am I feeling? Uh, what are my senses telling me? Uh, what are my intentions? 
Uh, what am I thinking? How am I acting? There are five questions that we can ask ourselves to just kind of tune in. Uh, because the, the, the truth is that we are all in an emotional state at all times. And either we're aware of our emotions and we control them, or they're aware, we're not aware of them and they control us. That would be my message. That's Pay a great attention. message. Pay attention. We've been talking today with Dr. Uh, Kenton Hill, author of Smart Isn't Enough. If people want to find out more about... Uh, you and the services you offer. You mentioned it before, but tell us again real quick. Yeah, the, the website is www.kenhillkrh.com. And uh, there's a phone number on there. And if people like to chat, I'd be happy to talk with them as well. All right. Well, thank you for being with us, Ken. It was a great conversation. Thank you. Nice to be here. This is David McNamee, Leadership Moments. Come back again real soon. Thank you for joining us for Leadership Moments with David McNamee. You can schedule an appointment with David by calling 971-204-0373 or email him at dmcnamee at foundationsforleaders.com. David has a wide variety of resources to help you, and you can find those resources at www.foundationforleaders.com. Take the time to call David this week or contact him through Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or email. And join us every Thursday at 2 p.m. for Leadership Moments right here on KKPZ, 1330 a.m., The Truth. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.